This is Wednesday afternoon. I'm taping the message here to a vacant auditorium, just like everybody else is doing that's abiding by this quarantine for the coronavirus. And uh, I'm teaching to you about predestination and the spirits in prison. Because predestination is exactly about the spirits in prison. The spirits in prison were the Gentiles, the Gentiles in the ancient world. They were in prison. Prison is the word phulake, P-H-U-L-A-K-E. Phulake is the word prison. It means, you can see, when you give the definition of it, it means, it means the division of day and night or light and darkness. Light and darkness. Predestination has to do with light. It means to come out of the darkness to the light. It is predestinate is the word pro horizo. And pro means before, that's our prefix pre before. And horizo that's pro. And horizo there's a little diacritical mark there. That's got a breathing sound to it. It's actually horizo. No H's in the Greek language, just a breathing mark. And horizo is our word horizon, or it means to predetermine for the light. And the spirits in prison were the Gentiles in darkness, and they did not have, they did not have the light from Adam until Christ. And the Gentiles didn't have the light until Acts 2. Now I have preached on predestination hundreds of times. Predestination is not about it's not about God predetermining people for heaven and they can do what they want to do and live the way they want to live. That is not predestination. That's some wild, off-the-wall doctrine. It doesn't mean that God from the beginning preordained some people to go to heaven and they could live the way they want. There's The last half of the verse of Romans 8 and 29 is without a doubt as important or more important than the first part of the verse. The first part of the verse says, For whom? Not what. Whom is the word whos. H-O-U-S. It's masculine gender singular. Singular. It means the people that God did foreknow prognosco or that he knew intimately ahead of time or beforehand he's predestined those people that he knew to something not just to be in heaven no matter what they do 
That's ridiculous. I've had people call me and say, you believe people get to go to heaven no matter what they do? I said, I do not. One guy wanted to fight me over it. It's because of what God does in us as his elect family. He predestined us to be conformed to the image. To be conformed is actually an infinitive. It's a it's a noun that carries the action of the word predestinate. Predestined to, to be conformed and the action of the verb predestinate is upon that. So to be conformed, being an infinitive, that's a verbal noun. It's verbal in character, but it is a noun. So we're predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. To be conformed to the image, that word image is icon, and it means likeness. Predestination is about God overthrowing our evil will, birthing Christ in us by his godly will, and then saying, you're going to be like Jesus. I'm going to beat you with an inch of your life. I'm going to scourge every son I receive. And he has to receive us. That word received there in Hebrews 12 is dekomai. It's the same word. It's the same word as the natural man receiveth not. Then 1 Corinthians 2.14. So if you're the natural man, you cannot accept this word receiveth. He has to accept us. And it comes from dek, which is the word ten in the Greek. And dekomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. A decade is ten years. We get the word decade from that. So God has to accept us. We cannot accept him when we're dead in sin. Now, when you really think about the image or the likeness of Christ, he's preordained all of us to have the character of Christ. We have to be poor in spirit. If Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, we have to be sorrowful and acquainted with grief when we start telling people Christmas is Christ Mass, it's Roman Catholicism, it's paganism. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. You tell people that. You tell them God doesn't love everybody. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born. For either one had done any good or evil. You're going to have people angry at you. There's other people that taught this. Arthur Pink taught this. He died in 1952. He was one of the great teachers of the last several hundred years. I've got another teacher I'm going to read to you about. And that is R.L. Dabney. He has this book on systematic theology. He was a Presbyterian and their doctrine was founded on predestination. And he has... There is an introduction in the cover of the book, and it says that he was a Southern Presbyterian, and that the last century produced many volumes enduring spiritual importance. It was 
it was only this work which came nearest to complete text of systematic theology for its preparation Robert L. Dabney the best teacher of theology in the United States if not in the world these were the words of A. A. Hodge a fellow theologian was certainly suited he was touted to be the greatest mind in the world and this was written in 1871 I'm going to read part of his section Mr. Dabney's on predestination just listen while God's decree is his purpose as to all things his predestination may may be defined to be his purpose concerning the everlasting destiny of his rational creatures his election is his purpose of saving eternally some men and angels election and reprobation are both included in predestination reprobation remember is the word adokimas a-d-o-k-i-m-a-s it comes from dokimas mean trial or fire and the alpha primitive negating the word the first letter of the Greek alphabet it means no fire so the people that are reprobated for hell they don't know fiery trials in this life thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you we have to go through the fire we must through much tribulation into the kingdom of God the word predestinate probably the original for predestination does not occur in connection with the New Testament he's saying the word the verb itself but he says the kindred verb and participle which is a verbal adjective are found in the following passage describing God's coordination in the religious state of the acts of persons acts Acts 4.28 where the Bible says uh, Peter and John were were threatened by the Pharisees if you keep preaching in this name of Jesus we're going to beat you and they said and they went back to the other apostles and said that these the day that Jesus died the kings were there Herod was there Pilate was there and they were therefore to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before that is the word prohorizo or predestinate determine before to be done and then he gives us Ephesians 1 and 5 I've already given you that uh, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children and then he gives us a verse let me read it to you out of Luke 22 and 22 let me give you that Luke 22 and verse 22 alright and he's saying this proves the sovereignty of God and reprobation of certain men uh, <clears throat> but behold the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table and truly the son of man goeth as it was determined horizo it is 
aorist indicative, therefore it means it's past tense, and being past tense, you can put prooridzo, or the word predestinate, or as it was predestinated. So Judas was predestinated by God to betray Christ. Jesus stood and said in John 6 at the end of the chapter, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. I've got a job for you to betray me, and that was Judas. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. It was predestined that he betray Christ. Now, let me go on and read this out of Mr. Dabney's book. That this predetermination of men's privileges and destinies by God includes the reprobation of the wicked. Reprobation is always understood by the scholars to be the predetermining of certain men to hell or the majority of the human race to hell, as well as the election of the saints. The words prognosis, which is the word for no, as applied to this subject's means more than simple inactive cognition. Cognition means to recognize. It's not merely when he said whom he did foreknow or he had cognizant or recognition of that person. It's not mere just knowing the person of the future state of men by God, a positive and active selection. He's saying prognosis means an active selection that men will do what God wants them to do. Then he goes on to say, his foreknowledge is the effect of his foreordination. What he said, he foreknows because he foreordained it. He said the same thing I've been saying. People say, well, he foreknew everything. Therefore, he knew who would accept him and who wouldn't. Yes, that's right. He knew nobody would accept him because there's none that seeketh after God. And Mr. Dabney says that in this article. Then he goes on to say, speak of the effectual calling in John fifteen sixteen. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth much fruit. He says the same things that I've been saying to you. The word prothesis, which is the word purpose, in Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for God, for good to them who love God and to them who are the called according to his prothesis, his purpose. Purpose is the word let me erase some of this. And then I get to it. When you find the word purpose, it is the word prothesis. All right. Prothesis. Prothesis is a construction of pro means before. Tithemae. T-I-T-H-E-M-I. Tithemai means to lay out. So God has laid out everything beforehand. Prothesis. In Ephesians 1.11, there where he says, having, uh, we've obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the purpose, the prothesis 
of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. People say, why would God send somebody to hell on purpose? Because he wanted to, and that was his program. What you're doing is you're replying against God. Shall the thing form say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Hast not the potter power of the clay of the same lump out of the same womb of their mother, Rebecca? Can God not make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? If that's what he wants to do, by the decree of God for the manifestation of his own glory, some men and angels are predestinated unto everlasting life and others foreordained to everlasting death. That's exactly the way I put it. You can't say a man is predestined for hell because predestinate means to pre-lighten. Predetermined for the light. Each time God would use the word predestinate, he would use it toward the Gentile churches. They were in darkness for 4,000 years, and they didn't get to come to the light till Acts 2. God made certain exceptions in the Old Testament to a certain few Gentiles, but overall the Gentiles were not called until Acts 2. Let me read some more Mr. Dabney's book here. He says, these angels and men are predestinated and foreordained. You cannot predestinate or predetermine somebody for the light in hell. That's what predestinate means. They have to be foreordained to hell. And that's exactly what Mr. Dabney says. They were foreordained. They were produced for hell. They were born to be taken and destroyed. Then he says, uh, these angels and men thus predestinated and foreordained are particularly and unchangeably designed. They're designed for that. These as natural brute beasts are made to be taken and destroyed in Second Peter 2.12. They're made, the word is gunea, and it means Born. They were born to go to hell. Boy, people don't like that. They think, well, God would be unrighteous. He would be righteous if he sent everybody to hell. All right, let me read some more of this. To discuss this thesis first as to men, I would argue first from the general doctrine of the decree. The decree is universal. He said it's all over the world. There's nobody that hasn't been ordained to heaven or hell before they were born. If God has anything to do with the sinner's redemption, it must be embraced by this eternal decree. But salvation is everywhere attributed to God as his work. If a man is saved, it'll be God's work, not your will. He calls, he justifies He regenerates. You don't regenerate yourself by walking down an aisle. He keeps us by faith unto salvation. Boy, that is exactly what I've said. Philippians 1 and 6. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is what saved is. Sozo means to be taken from one point all the way to another point and to be preserved from all danger throughout the entire deliverance. And while he's doing that, he's going to whip us and scourge us and cause us to be like Jesus. 
You realize that word likeness, what that has to do with everything that Jesus was like, he's predestined that we will be like that. Now, you may not attain all of that, but all the believers will attain some of that. And you won't do it in a lifetime. It's a... It's that inner and that outer man. God has to deal with that outer man which serves the law of the flesh. All right. He sanctifies all the arguments drawn from God's attributes of wisdom, infinite knowledge, omnipotence, and immutability in support of his eternal decree. He's decreed everything. And that this purpose is eternal. Let me read you one more maybe a couple more paragraphs this is good we are by nature ungodly hostile to God there's none that there's none that seeks after God none righteous not one that's what the Bible says and his law blind in mind and certainly determined to worldliness that's all of us until he regenerates us by his will to worldliness and preference to godliness. That's what man wants. He wants the world. The reason people don't want to believe this is that they believe they're pretty good and their heart is dark. By, by native disposition. Disposition comes from the word dispose. You're disposed to do evil. It's what you are. Hence, no man cometh to the Christ except the Father who has sent him draw him John six forty four. how many times have I said that unless some power above man made the difference between the believer and the unbeliever it would never vitally appear unless God makes it happen it won't happen but if God makes it he does it of purpose and that purpose must be eternal hence no intelligent mind which admits original sin, denies election. If you admit that Adam was a sinner and he passed that nature on to everybody else, you can't deny election. The two doctrines stand or fall together. Boy, what a, what a writer. I love this man. I want to meet him when I get to heaven. This class of passages is particularly convincing. He gives you a whole bunch of verses that talk about the sovereign will of God all the language employed about predestination is personal it's about a man about a people he knows and the pronouns and other adjuncts indicate persons and not classes of people it's individuals that word whom is masculine gender singular whom he did foreknow the persons he did foreknow. It is whom masculine he foreknew, them he also did predestinate. It is in Acts thirteen forty eight, as many as were ordained to eternal life believe. One of the great theologians is quoting the same things that I preach here. And then he goes on to talk about other places of predestination. And then he quotes Second Thessalonians 2.13. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He's got an entire chapter here on predestination. It is true whether you believe it or not. Predestination is about 
the Gentile church. Because I keep saying the Gentiles were in darkness, they were in prison, and the Bible says so. The spirits in prison is considered the most difficult verse in the Bible for all theologians and doctors of theology. They've all got a different opinion, and most of them do not know what it's about. Even John Calvin said he didn't understand that. If he had defined the words in the Greek, he would see it. It's like falling off of a log. I want to show you. The Gentiles were in darkness. I've given you these verses before, but this is a series I'm doing on the spirits in prison. Let me go back to the verse, the spirits in prison, over in Second Peter. Second Peter. Did I say? I mean, excuse me. First Peter. It's not in Second Peter. In First Peter, two eighteen and nineteen. 318, excuse me. 318. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And here's how he's going to bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. That, that, that one statement encompasses one word. Put to death. This is what Christ did. He was put to death, and that was arranged. That was predestinated according to Acts 4.28. Put to death and quickened. And I keep saying this. Put to death and quickened has one meaning. Quickened, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O, means to make, poeo, zoo, alive, a zoo is where you go and see living animals, living. So it means to make alive. When you define the word resurrection, anastasis, anastasis is the word resurrection. It means to come to life, to life, zumpao, after being put to death. That is the word resurrection. That is feminine gender. When you find the word resurrection, that's talking about our resurrection since we are the wife, the bride of Christ, wife of the bride. That's talking about us resurrecting in Christ daily. Well, this is the method by which Christ has preached to the spirits in prison. This is our resurrection is the way we preach to people. We see, they see us resurrecting in Christ daily as we're crucified daily. Paul said, I die daily. He said, if any man will come after me, let him pick up his cross daily and follow me. So we preach to people with this resurrection that's in our bodies and they see and hear us talking about Jesus and telling the truth about predestination and Christmas is, is pagan. And they hear and they hear us talk about daily cross, death to self, self-denial. And that's the way we preach to the Gentiles who were in prison for 4,000 years. 4,000 years. 
and then the the elect Gentiles started coming alive. That's when he had blinded the eyes of the Jews and opened the eyes of the Gentiles for the last 2,000 years. And that is the last days. I believe we have to be close to the end of time. If a day of the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, Acts 2 was approximately around around 33 to 35 A.D. We don't know exactly the year that Jesus died. So 2,000 years from that would be 2030 to 35 A.D. Am I saying that Jesus is coming in that time period? No, I'm saying that's very suspicious looking. It makes you think that God, with all of this coronavirus going around, all the wars and all the AIDS and all the the Ebola and all the disease in the world and the wars in the world and men's and the particularly the apostasy, the preachers preaching lies, the accept Christ doctrines, the sinner's prayer, which is not true. You have to repent. You have to be birthed by the will of God. The thing is, the way you come alive, you have to be born again, which you don't have anything to do with. You don't walk down an aisle to be born again. You don't pray a prayer to be born again. God simply has picked you out before the foundation of the world, and he, and he arranges your life to do all the things you do, and you go somewhere along the way, you'll be riding down the road, you may be even listening to a false teacher, and you read something out of the Bible which is true, and you'll be convicted by that word of God, and he'll die and go to hell, and you'll go to heaven. And God cuts into your heart and causes you to believe. It's not something you do. It's something God does in you. It's God that worketh in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. That's predestination. Now, let me finish this here. Being put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. That's resurrection. People say, put to death... Well, that in the past, we die daily. It, you can have an aorist indicative verb, and it is past tense, but there's several aorist indicative verbs. They all start in the past. Some are constitutive, some are ingressive, and some are consumative. The ones that are consumative happened one time in the past. The constantive means they happened in the past and they're and it goes on and we we die with Christ and we die every day. So that would be constantive. Ingressive means the movement starts and you cannot tell when it ends other than through the context of Scripture. So constantive and ingressive only will be a lot the same. It's hard to tell the difference. Now, by which, by which, these are conjunctions pointing back to put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. By which Christ went and preached to the spirits in prison. The resurrection is the means by which Christ preached to the spirits in prison or to the Gentiles. Whenever you find the word proorizo, predestinate, He's talking to Gentiles. Was Rome a Gentile church? Well, yes. Isn't it Rome? He said, he said, 
and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the, the called according to his purpose that was to a Gentile church then he says for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate he's saying to a Roman Gentile church there's a certain group among you which are his elect family and he's predestined them to conform to the image or the likeness of Jesus only a certain few he says the same thing to the Ephesians wasn't Ephesus a Gentile church when he says he hath chosen us in him you Ephesian Gentile church and me a Jew he says he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world having predestinated us you Ephesian Gentile church and me a Jew I'm a Roman citizen I was given Roman citizenship when I was born but he said you and me we've been chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love and then he says having predestinated us unto the adoption he said you're Jews I'm a Gentile or I'm a Jew you're Gentiles I'm a Jew and he says having predestinated us unto the adoption he says God has adopted you Gentile church at Ephesus and me He's adopted us, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He said, I am pleased to adopt Ephesian Gentile church with me. Having predestinated us, he used the word predestination. Predestinated. He used the word predestinate to the church at Ephesus because they had been in darkness before Jesus came for 4,000 years. All these Gentiles had been in darkness. And then he says to this Gentile Ephesian church, we have obtained an inheritance. Me and you. I'm a Gentile. I'm a Jew. You're a Gentile. And he has, we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things. That's what Mr. Dabney said. It's unchangeable. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. The word counsel, boule, B-O-U-L-E, means after the, after the purpose of his own will. Boule means purpose. It's God's purpose to save a certain number of Gentiles, which is the church at Ephesus, those believers there, and along with Paul. He said, me and you. He says basically the same thing in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians. Excuse me, the book of Philippians. Listen to Philippians. Ephesians, Philippians. The third chapter... And he says in the third chapter of Philippians, For we are the circumcision. He says we. He included himself a Jew with this Philippian Gentile church. Before Jesus came, let me show you here. 
okay. This is Israel down here. Paul was a Jew. And he's including, right up here, there's a little hand-like protruding out of the, into the Aegean Sea. And that's where Philippi is in Thessalonica is. Those were Gentile churches. And Paul is always talking about calling the calling the Gentiles to the light or to the horizon. He says that to the Thessalonians. Thessalonica was up there right next door to Philippi. And he says, he's talking about calling them to the light. He says, you were light. You were darkness. Now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What if I said... You are the horizon. Walk as children of the horizon, which is in the light. And prohorizo is the word predestinate. When Paul uses this word prohorizo, he's talking to, he's talking about how Jesus died and presented himself to his elect Gentiles. The Jews had been blinded. Their eyes were blind. So he says here, in Philippians in Philippians 3 3 we are the circumcision me and you here's the definition of being spiritually circumcised which worship God in spirit the Holy Spirit's the truth and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh he said that's who God's Jews are Circumcision was a term for the Jew. So he said, we, me and you, Philippian Gentile church, are the circumcision when we do these three things. Worship God in spirit. And we rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. That's God's circumcision or God's Jew. Now, let me get back. You cannot preach on the spirits in prison unless you understand, not fully unless you understand predestinate. Each time he used that word, it was a word that was used concerning the Gentile church. It was a word, the writers say it was a word concerning Jesus. This is a this is a paper out of Kittle's New Testament Dictionary of Greek Words. And this is on horizo and prohorizo. The word predestinate is right on the end of the article. And it says, This comparatively rare and late word used in Greek Bible only six times in the New Testament in the sense to foreordain or predestinate, since God is eternal and has ordained everything before time. This is Kittle's 10-volume set, New Testament Greek words. Prohorizo is a stronger form of ohorizo. He's saying prohorizo is a stronger form of horizo because horizo means to determine and prohorizo means to determine beforehand. The omniscient God has determined everything in advance. That's out of Kittles. Everything in advance, both persons and things in salvation history with Jesus Christ as the goal. When Herod and Pilate worked together with the Gentiles and the mob against Jesus, 
it may be said in Acts 4.28. Everybody goes to that. Herein lies the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. 428, they were therefore to do whatsoever thy, thy hand and thy counsel determined before. When they killed Jesus, it was determined before. Prohorizo, it was predetermined by God before the world began. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Of our predestination is divine sonship through Jesus Christ. And he quotes Ephesians 1 and 5. We've obtained, uh, we are we have been adopted into the family. Adoption is not something the orphan does when he's in a when he's in an orphanage. Adoption is the word. It means to place sons. You don't place yourself as a son. Huyo Thesia. That is what adoption Huyo Thesia it comes from huios, means sons, and tithemai, meaning to place. You don't go to an orphanage and you place your, and the orphan places himself as a son to the one who comes to adopt. It's the person that adopts that does the saying and does the doing. That we have an inheritance. The reason we have an inheritance is God has placed us as sons. You cannot place yourself. And then I've got another on Horizo here. This comes out of this comes out of uh, the Kittles on Horizo. He talks about when Acts seventeen twenty six. The re- reference is always to the predestination of Christ event by God, a feature of. The eight Horizo passages in the New Testament, six of Prohorizo, is that with the exception of 1129, they are all emphatically theological and Christological. They describe the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's what Prohorizo and Horizo does. It's talking about the boundary of light. Now, let me go back over to the Old Testament. Because it, because the Jews had kept going after these idol gods, there is so much in the Bible about this. I don't even know how to get it over to everybody. All I can say is you will learn as much as God has made you interested. If you're interested in learning the truth, you have to go through all of this. The Jews went after Baal, Grove, Shemash, Molech, and all the gods of Egypt, Baal, Grove. I always say Baal in the Grove because Baal was the sun god. Grove was the tree goddess, and that is the Christmas tree, whether anybody likes it or not. That's the Grove. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And Israel was going after all of this, and after 500 years under kings, God says, I'm going to scatter you all over the world. There were four judgments, the sword, the famine, the pestilence. And God says, I'll send the beast after I get fed up. And I have the beast, which is Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. Babylon was overthrown by Persia, overthrown by Greece. And then the Romans ruled. And you'll find that beast in Daniel 7 and Revelation 14. Revelation 14. 
And that's what it was. It was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Rome was instituted into Roman Catholicism when two of the Caesars said, we won't wear the robes of the Pontifex Maximus, the maximum high priest of the sun worship. So they outlawed that and re-implemented into Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism is not the only problem. What it actually is in the world, because Roman Catholicism was founded on the doctrine of the Edict of Toleration, the Edict of Milan. It was called the Edict of Milan, and Constantine said, we're going to issue this edict of tolerating everybody's religion. In other words, we're going to have this edict of toleration, which means you got a freedom of religion in the Roman Catholic world. Freedom of religion was not part of God's doctrine. That's in America, but not the Bible. If you went after any other gods, God says, I'll kill you. I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. If you preach any other thing or serve any other gods. So if you don't like it because God says, I'll send the pestilence, I'll send coronavirus and all kinds of diseases. That's been going on since Israel. This coronavirus is just the beginning of the end. It's not something that's going to... If you think that this coronavirus will go away and nothing else will crop up, the Bible says this is the beginning of sorrows at the end of time. Things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse and worse and worse. Who knows what's coming? Some say, well, this was an invention of man. It don't matter who invented it. It's the judgment of God. God put it in the minds of men to put this together. Now, I've got to just read a bunch of these verses to you about Israel being in darkness. When you get to Paul's work in the New Testament, he will tell you that he was a missionary to the Gentiles. You'll see this. You'll see it throughout all his writings. But you can see it particularly in Galatians, the second chapter. Second chapter. He says, well, let's look at that. Let's look at Galatians, the second chapter. I keep saying these things over and over, but they are over and over in the Bible. Constantly. Galatians the second chapter and he says verse 7 chapter 2 when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me uncircumcision was a term for Gentiles so he says I am in a work towards the Gentiles as the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter. Peter was commissioned to go preach to the Jews. Paul to the Gentiles. That's why every time you find the word proholizo, that's one of Paul's words to the Gentile churches. And all of his epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Titus, Philemon, 
all of that was to Gentiles. And whenever he mentioned Prohorizo, he's talking about God predetermining to the light the Gentiles. And over here, he says they were in prison or they were in darkness. Let me read some of those verses. Go over here to Isaiah. In Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11. I'll get it here. This thing of the spirits in prison is a magnificent picture. It has to tie directly with predestinate to predetermine for the light because they were in darkness. By the way, anytime you see the word nation, nation, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, it is the word goy or goyim, G-O-Y, I am. Nation, nation is the same word as Gentile. When Jesus says in the Great Commission, in the 28th chapter of Matthew, he's resurrected from the dead, and he goes to the apostle and says, Go ye into all the world and teach all nations. They have never been commanded to go teach the Gentiles. Well, in the Greek, in the Greek, the word nation is the word ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S. Ethnos. And the word nation is ethnos. So when he says go into all the world, he says go to all nations or to go to all the Gentiles, and he's never given a command ever in history to go to the Gentiles until this point at the Great Commission. So he's telling them, go teach the Gentiles. And then he says, go to Jerusalem and wait till the Holy Spirit, which is the truth, comes upon you. And that's 50 days after the Passover where he was crucified. 50 days. So in Acts, in Acts 2, he said, Go to Jerusalem and tarry until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then go to all, go to all nations or all Gentiles. Because the Gentiles are being told you're going to come to the light. And every time the Bible speaks of light, light, appear, manifest, all these and other words, any time they have basically the same meaning in the Greek. And I'm going to go into those words if I have time today. I don't think I'll have time. But all these words that have to do with being able to see, even the word see, said, when he's talking about saying the truth, seeing the truth, anytime you have a definition 
has basically the same meaning as any other word, it has to do with that word. So when you get into light, appear, manifest, see, said, even blaspheme comes from the word said. It means to hinder what God has said. Blasphemos, B-L-A-S-P-H-E-M-O-S. Blasphemos comes from blapto, means to hinder or stop. Bapto and feme, which means something that's spoken. It means, we get the word P-H-E-M-E, feme, which is our word fame. And when a man has fame, he is spoken of. It's lip service. When someone is famous, it's all the good things that people say about him. Well, blapto means to hinder, to hinder what's spoken by God's word. And this word feme is related to the word light, appear, manifest, see, or said. When you say something about Christ, it has to be about truth. Truth is the light. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, cometh to the horizo. Remember, I don't ever get this out of your mind. Prohorizo is the word predestinate. It means to predetermine for the light. That's why Paul used this word so much in his letters to Corinth, Galatia, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First and second, Timothy. Timothy was pastor of a Gentile church at Ephesus. Titus was pastor of a Gentile church at Crete. Philemon was about a, a slave, a Gentile slave that escaped from his master. When you get into predestinate, it's about the Gentiles. Because he's blind to the eyes of the Jews. Because all of this went after, they went after Christmas under another name in the ancient world. Why would God want us to celebrate an unholy day that traces back to Baal in the grove. If Babylon mothered all idolatry, and she did according to Revelation 17 and 5, and Christmas has to do with, that's what Israel went after, all idolatry goes back to Babylon, including Christmas. Good grief, preachers. I don't understand you. Now, let me read some of these things. Look at Isaiah 11. How much time do I have, Mike? 38. Let me see if I can cover some of this territory. I just want you to see that the light has to do with the Gentiles coming to it after Israel has gone after all of this paganism. That's what I want you to see. Now, this chapter is a sister chapter to Ezekiel the 37th chapter where God is talking about the valley of dry bones and he said, I'm going to bring Ephraim. He said, t- tells uh, Isaiah, or tells Ezekiel to take one stick for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim. Ephraim was the second born son of Joseph and God gave the inheritance of Israel to Ephraim or to Joseph. 
and the king come out of Judah and they split into two nations under Solomon. And then he says here in Isaiah 11 and verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign, a sign, an oath, U-W-T-H. But you're not going to know this, U-W-T-H. That's the word sign or a pointer. And it's equal to the New Testament word Simeon, where Simeon means a sign or a pointer. Gosh, if I got into that, I'd be all day long. Now look at, it'll be a sign, and to it the Gentiles will seek. What's he talking about the Gentiles are going to seek? Isaiah talks all through his book. Look over in Isaiah 42. This is one of my favorite verses on the spirits in prison. Isaiah 42. I don't know why I'm the only person that's ever seen this. I I believe everything in the Bible. You can't just teach on one subject. Look at a verse, pull it out and say, here's what it means. You've got to tie it with every other verse. Light goes with the Gentiles coming to the light, coming out of darkness, coming out of prison. Prison means the division of day and night or light and darkness. Light is the truth. Darkness is a lie. Isaiah 42 42, 1. And then we'll read verse 6. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. Spirit is the same thing in the Old Testament as the New. It's the truth. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And then he says down here in verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, will hold thine hand, will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light to the Gentiles. When Isaiah was preaching, he preached for 50 years toward Israel, and he preached to northern Israel. And then he says in verse 7, to open the blind eyes, those people that can't see in the Old Testament, which are Gentiles, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, that's the Gentiles. And his whole book is about the Gentiles coming to the light because Israel is turned away from God to all of this Christmas system, the bell and the grove. You can't understand this without thinking. It takes a lot of thought. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and to them that sit in darkness in untruths out of the prison house I am the Lord that is my name and my glory will I not give to another God says I'm not going to share my glory with anybody if you get on a stage and you're glorifying and your talent your ability God says you're not glorifying me you're glorifying yourself and then he says look over here in Isaiah 49 Isaiah talks about constantly the Gentiles coming to the light. 49. 
verse 6 and 22. Verse 6. And he said, Is it a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant? Raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserve of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. End of the earth means all over the world. That will be when the Gentiles come to the light or the Gentile church or spiritual Israel. And look at verse 22. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles. That doesn't... What if I said to the nations? To the Gentiles. Same word, goyim. Goy is singular. Goyim. G-O-Y-I-M. Any time you have I-M on the end of a word. In the Hebrew, it's plural. That's the Gentiles. And he said, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. The Gentiles will be carried by God. When there is an elect family, which will be the Gentile church, before the foundation of the world. Look here at Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Fifty-four verse three. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, the Goyim, and make desolate cities to be inhabited. Look here in Isaiah sixty. These are Jesus' words in Isaiah sixty. Isaiah sixty. I love uh, three. Isaiah 60 and 3. I'm going to read 3, 5, 11, 16, 19, and 20. 3. And the Gentiles... Well, let me do this. Let me read 1. Arise, shine. You can't shine unless you're in the light. For thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness in prison shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people of Israel. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. The Gentiles are going to come out of prison when Jesus dies. And is resurrected, and God puts it in certain one's hearts. Look here at verse 5. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. What does he mean, the abundance of the sea? That means people all over the world. Isaiah put it this way. In Isaiah 11, he said, the islands of the earth will come to you. That means the Gentiles all over the world. I preached on, I preached so many times on the Gentiles coming to the light. And I love Habakkuk's words 
when he said the earth shall be full of his knowledge and glory as waters that covers the sea anywhere you can see something like this he says when he says the forces of the Gentiles will come throughout the world shall come unto thee and then he says in verse 11 therefore thy gates shall be open continually what does he mean by that it'll be open to the Gentile world they shall not be shut day nor night this is very figurative language that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles that word forces is a very interesting word you find it over here in it's the word Kyil C-H-I-Y-I-L in Deuteronomy 8 8 it is the same word when he says it is God that giveth thee power to get wealth it is the word wealth and it's very very seldom uses the word wealth it's it is a word that's talking about armies what does he mean the forces of the Gentile the forces of the Gentile shall come unto thee it's really simple God tells Israel I've got a thousand things going through my mind right now let me slow down and say this to you the Gentiles has overthrown Israel because of all this ungodliness that went after this sun and tree worship and they had gone after Baal and the grove and Shemash and Molech and all those sun and tree gods of Syria and of Egypt and all the people around them and it's Israel had the ability to conquer all men to conquer all the world God says if you're obedient to me and my laws and my statutes and my statutes and my commandments he said if you're obedient to all my laws and commandments he said you'll go your fields will be full your storehouses will be full you'll have all the food you can eat your basket will be full your children will be healthy and he said that you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways when Israel quit going after God according to the the 15th chapter of Deuteronomy 28 if you're not obedient to my laws the, of 28:15, he said I'll send the famine I'll send pestilence all kinds of disease I'll bring no rain I'll do all these things that's why when, whenever I say the coronavirus is due to all this false doctrine from the pulpits God says that's what I'll do to Israel but if you are if you were following my statutes and commandments you can whip the world so when he says the forces of the Gentiles will come to thee He's saying you'll get your strength back as spiritual Israel to overcome the world when you're obedient to my word. The forces of the Gentiles is the kayil of the Gentiles. It's not talking about money. When he said it's God that's given thee power to get wealth, 
to get kayil, to become most of the time in the Old Testament when this word kayil is mentioned, it's either forces, army, virtue. It's not the word wealth. It's just crazy the way these charismatics have have polluted the word of God. He says in verse 16 of chapter 60, Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles and shalt suck the breast of kings. And thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer and mighty one of Jacob. Unless you go to that, unless you look at this in a figurative way, you're not going to understand anything it's saying. Then you go to, then you go over here to uh, the 19th verse. This is very figurative. All of this goes together. This is not chasing a rabbit. This is the construction, the mathematical construction of the Bible. Light is truth. Darkness is untruth. When you... The the Gentiles are told... You're predestined to come out of darkness to light. What they're predestined for is forgiveness. Because if darkness is being in prison, and it is, and God's going to call his people out of darkness to light, and he's got a certain number of Gentiles that he has known from the foundation of the world. I don't know if anybody else even understands this. I've had a few young guys come here and they grab a hold of it, want to go out there and get some glory for it, so they start telling people like they've done some magnificent thing and found truth. Most of them haven't understood that Horizza was the boundary of horizon, and that has to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the word of Ephesus. And it means to pardon and release from prison. So, when you're in darkness, the horizon is the division of day and night or light and darkness, and the Gentile church has been predestined to the light. You are darkness, he tells the Ephesian church. Now you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light or truth. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. you got to be doing truth. This is not salvation by works. It's salvation that works. Faith without works is dead being alone. Death to self without works is dead being alone. So you have to come to the light. And forgiveness means to pardon or release from prison, but you you can't pass out free forgiveness. There has to be repentance. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. Rebuke is a response. But the only one that can rebuke is God. God has to rebuke a man's heart, cause him to be turned and think differently. Then he's released from prison to the light. And every time you find the word predestinate, prohorizo, it's talking about the Gentiles coming out of darkness. Let me continue this. Then he says here in verse 19, 
You talk about figurative. Boy, this is ever more figurative. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. That sounds like so much confusion. It's not when you look at this figuratively. If I have already showed you many times, the sun, the only place the moon gets her light is from the sun. The sun shines, the moon reflects light. If the sun gets dim, that's a picture or a figure of speech saying the moon the moon will only die to become blood the moon turns to blood that means the moon dies to become blood was an old ancient idiom that meant to die if the moon dies what does that mean that means something is blocking the light of the sun this is figurative about Light would be truth. Darkness would be the absence of light. Therefore, something's blocking the reflection of the moon. For the moon to be turned to blood means the moon's going to die and the sun's not reflecting on it anymore. But it doesn't mean a literal reflection. It's talking about truth and a lie. Let me give you that verse over here in, in Micah. Three, one more time. If you don't see this figurative, you can't see the picture. Look here and oh die, Jonah. Micah. Okay. Micah three. I'm gonna give it to you one more time. And then I'm gonna tie it together with this nineteenth verse of the sixtieth chapter of Isaiah. The verse 5 of chapter 3 of Micah, Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets in Israel that are lying to the people in Israel that make my people to err, going after Bel in the grove and all the rest of those gods that bite with their teeth and cry, Peace, we're going to have peace. And Nebuchadnezzar's coming and the Assyrians are coming. And he putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against God. Therefore, night shall be unto them. Darkness is going to be unto the prophets. They are there to shed the light on Israel, but they're not doing it. They're going after Baal and the grove and Shemash and Molech and so forth. That ye shall not have a vision anymore, prophets of Israel. He calls certain prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah to preach against these false teachers in Israel. And it shall be dark unto you, prophets in Israel. It's going to be darkness. Israel keeps going after these gods of darkness that ye shall not divine. You're not going to tell people the truth anymore. And the sun shall go down over the prophets. Their mouths will be full of darkness. And the day shall be dark over them. That's what he said. The same thing. In Isaiah 60 and 19, the sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. That means the moon is dying. That means it's turning to blood. Turn to blood doesn't mean it's going to turn red. It means to die. 
but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. Every time you see light, it has to do with truth. And thy God, thy glory, thy sun shall no more go down. That's when, that's when Christ starts shining on the lives of the believer. Neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light. The everlasting light is the everlasting truth. That's why the Gentiles, because Israel kept going after this Christ's mass system over here, God blinds the eyes of the Jews and opens the eyes of the Gentiles to the light or the truth of God. It's pretty simple. And the days of thy morning shall be ended. Now, okay, thy people also shall be all righteous, they shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you'll conquer the world if you obedient to my word. I, the Lord, will hasten it in, in his time. In God's time, he'll do that. Then you look at 61. This is a... The first verse of 61 is the exact verse that Jesus quoted in Luke 4. He got up. He was at a meeting with a bunch of Pharisees. They said, Rabbi Jesus, they hadn't learned to be angry at him yet. Would you like to come up here and speak for us? He said, yes. So he got up there and he quoted this verse out of Isaiah 61 and 1. Now let me show you. Luke 4.18. Let me read the first sentence out of 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he says in 61.1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because, then he says over here, Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he says, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel unto the meek. Well, meek, anav, means crushed or broken down. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, tokos, emptied out of self. And he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And David said, a broken and a contrite heart thou will not despise. So God has to break your heart in order for you to be a believer. And then he said, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And over here in 4 and 18, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. And that word deliverance is the word of Ephesus. So, Deliverance in 4.18. In Luke 4.18. So if Jesus is quoting in Luke 4.18, I-61 and 1, whatever he says over here in the Old Testament is going to have to be the same thing as deliverance, Ephesus, 
forgiveness offenses. Forgiveness or pardon and release from prison. Pardon from prison. And how does he put it over here in Isaiah 61? Here's how he puts it. To bring liberty. So liberty has to be the same thing as forgiveness to the captives that are in prison and to the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He's talking about the Gentiles in prison. And those are the same words he uses in Luke 4.18 in verse 2 of Isaiah 61 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. And this is the way he puts it. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that was the 50th year where that all of the bond slaves were released. Every 50 years you had seven sets of these sabbatical years. And the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. And that's a spiritual Jubilee. It's not literal. So he says to release all and forgive at the year of Jubilee every debt was canceled and he says I'm canceling all debts and when we have a debt to him because of sin he's canceling that now let's go back over here to Isaiah 61 and 9 their seeds talking about the Jews shall be known among the Gentiles that's because he's extending the truth. Isaiah's job, he preached to Israel for 50 years. He was preaching when all of these Assyrians came in to carry northern Israel away and southern Judah. Chapter 62 of Isaiah, verse 2, The Gentiles shall see thy righteousness. And all kings thy glory. All kings means men all over the world. Because God's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh. When he only gave it to one flesh over here in the Old Testament, the all flesh is red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. That's the all flesh. That's all men. When the Bible says God would have all men be saved, all men will be saved, but not every individual. Men from every nation, tongue, and tribe will be saved. Now, let me get to chapter 62. I've got to 62, verse 2. The Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. Now, let me see here. 62 and 2. Let me see. I did that. Uh, 65 Isaiah 65 talks about calling the Gentiles men of another name he says here in Isaiah 65 I'm sought of them that ask not for me that's the Gentiles I am found of them that sought me not the Gentiles never sought him 
but he's found of them because he puts desire or faith in their hearts. And these are the predestinated elect of God. I said, behold me, behold me. Look at me unto a nation. Goyim, Goy, Gentile. I said, behold me, behold me. You can substitute Gentile anytime you find nation in the Old Testament. It's the same word. I said, look at me, look at me unto Gentiles that was not called by my name. You'll find that same thing in Romans 10.20. Look at that. Jim, are you just giving us all this to confuse us? No. All this ties together. I can't begin to tell you when I see these things. All I can do, I can't tell you how to grab a hold of it. All I can do is tell you these over and over and over. And before you know it, this stuff starts settling in your mind and finds its place. You say, oh, I understand now. What do you think God is, some simple-minded simpleton? He doesn't think any deeper than you do. God is the great eternal mathematician. He's the great chemist and physicist. You find physics and chemistry all through the Bible. He's the great algebra teacher. You find that all through the Bible. Boy, if I'd have known this when I was young, I'd have studied and dug into it. Now, over here in the 10th chapter, verse 20, he says the same thing. Remember, Rome is a Gentile church that Paul says you're going to come to the light. And this seems like more than you could absorb in one message. That's why I give these DVDs away free of charge. So you can listen to it over and over and over. Now, listen to what he says. He says, Behold me unto a Gentile nation that was not called by my name. In Isaiah 65 and 1, and he says those same words to a Gentile church at Rome in Romans 10, 22. Romans 10, listen to the words, the same words. Romans 10 and 20, excuse me. 10 and 20. But Isaiah is very bold and saith. Oh, he's going to quote Isaiah. I was found of them that sought me not. Gentile Roman church. I was made manifest. That word manifest means to come to the light. Unto them that ask not after me. That's the exact same words as Isaiah 65 and 1. I'm found of them that sought me not. And said, Behold me, look at me, look at me. Unto a Gentile or nation that was not called my name. I've spread out my hands all day unto this rebellious people, Israel. But I kept going after Baal, Groth, Shemash, Molech, Isis, Osiris, and all the gods of Egypt. I've spread out my hands all day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good. They walked after all these idol gods. 
you can't read one part of the Old Testament without understanding the history of Israel and what they did. Isaiah's preaching judgment against Israel. He wasn't a... Him and Jeremiah, either one, were not preachers of conversion. They were preachers of judgment. That's what I believe I am. The world doesn't care about truth. Am I out of time? Five minutes. I'll have to come back and finish this. All through this 65th chapter, he's speaking. I'm going to call the Gentiles. I'm going to turn off with the Jews. And the Jews will say in verse 5, they say, Stand by thyself, stay away from me, come not near me, for I am holier than you Gentiles. I'm holier than thou. That comes out of the Bible. These are a smoke in my nose. These Jews that say, I'm holier than thou. I'm a Southern Baptist. I'm holier than you. You're ignoramus too. You hate predestination. You hate the truth about Christ's mass. A fire that burneth all day long. Behold, it is written before me, I will keep. I will not keep silence, but I'll recompense. I'll pay you back for what you've done, God says. Even recompense unto their bosom. Your iniquities, Israel, and the iniquities of your fathers, all the way back to Ahab, all the way back to those evil kings, to Jehoram, all the way back to, and you can name them over and over again, Together saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains. They burned it in the high places outside the cities and blasphemed me by going after Baal in the grove and Isis and Osiris. Israel went after all these other gods. That's why God blinded the eyes of the Jews and is calling the Gentiles a certain number that's in the Gentile church has called him to the light of the Horizo. It's one big, huge picture. And they blaspheme me upon the hills. Therefore, will I measure their former work into their bosom. That means I'm going to set your bosom on fire. Can you take fire in your bosom and not be burnt? Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, destroy it not, for a blessing is 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 in it, so will I do to my servant for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. Everybody in Israel wasn't lying and cheating; it was just the priest and the leaders. I will bring forth the seed out of Jacob, Jesus, and out of Judah. Jesus is the line of Judah, and inheritor of my mountains. God's mountains, a mountain was a capital city. God's mountains was Moriah and Zion. Zion is the mountain where Jerusalem sat. And Moriah was where the temple was in Jerusalem. An inheritor of my mountains and mighty elect shall inherit it. We, Paul, Peter told a bunch of Gentiles, you're elected unto obedience in the sprinkling of blood unto a blood baptism. My servant shall dwell there, and Sharon shall be a fold of flocks in the valley of Achor, a place for the herds to lie down for my people that have sought me. 
But ye, Israel, are they that forget, forsake the Lord, going after all these fine tree gods, that forget my holy mountain, Zion. Zion means it's amazing. Zion means sunny. That's basically the same meaning as Orizzo, God's horizon. His boundary of light. Sunny Zion. And they prepare a table for that troop. The word troop is Gad. Some people think the word God comes from that Gad. It means to distribute fortunes. It has the same meaning. Probably U-T-E has the same meaning as D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. That's our word, demon. There's no such thing as demons. It means distribute fortunes. What a demon is, is self. Am I out of time? Yeah. What I'm going to do, I'm going to come back and finish this lesson on the... I don't know if I'll finish it on the Gentiles coming to the light or the Horizzo. When you see predestinate, it's aimed right at the Gentile church, out of the light, out of the darkness into the light. Well, I'll come back, take up where I'm leaving off here, and go through the rest of these verses on the Gentiles coming to the light. This predestinate and horizo predestinate and the Gentiles to the light they're just click they're just like synthesizing well I love all you guys just keep on watching keep listening appreciate your support of the ministry it keeps keeps us going Lord thank you for truth deal with our hearts crush us under your head Give us strength through this virus thing. God, if it's according to your mercy, deliver us from that. If it's according to your mercy. Overcome our enemies. Fight them for us. Lord, I can't fight them anymore. I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm just going to depend on you. Fight our battles. In Christ's name we pray, amen. <laughs> there is so much to this predestination. It's just overwhelming to me. I don't know about y'all, but... We're living in a dark world. The sun has gone down over the prophets. It's, they're just, we're a light in the darkness of this world trying to shine the light. That's a lot of very figurative language. If you can't get that, you can't get the Bible. Bible is figurative. Old Testament is literal, New Testament is 
very image of the spiritual. It's a lot of stuff to put together in your head. How long have you had that book, that Systematic Theology, R.L. Uh, R.L. Dabney System? R.L. Dabney. You, had it, long, you, you yeah. had it a long time. You had yeah, it. I have had it quite a while. I just never have brought it out. What about that Hodge? Have you had that a long time? What is it? Hodge Systematic. Yeah, I've had that. Good, but I don't like Hodge like I like Dabney. I remember. Uh, I think I remember Brian Lewis had that book Hodge. I think, but uh, Hodge him, is okay, but. Dabney is just nails things down on the head. And he was, you say he's an American guy? Not that that I don't really know. Not yet. He was a great teacher, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. He was, he lays down predestination like a hammer. Oh. And these people that don't believe in it, what they're doing is calling him a liar. This oh. brilliant man. I never I even heard of that guy. Think of that guy out there on, out there on, uh, just out there on the old road. Wants to fight me on that. Just a stupid guy. You mean the the guy that runs that shop next to the gas station? Yeah. Just he's right by the Warsham's yeah. store. He's in that, looks like a... Storage unit? Yeah, looks 